Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Romeo Carey documentary podcast. Editing some of the breaths out of this podcast that's about to unfold. Interesting podcast, about five, six years old. I think it's about five, moving into six years old. This was, again, coming out of the archive, part of the Timothy Carey documentary. Exciting interview with, I think, one of, you know, a giant in terms of the music industry, especially the independent music industry. Someone who came from music herself, originally with the with the Cramps. She started her own band, the A-Bones, and together with her, her partner, Billy Miller, they really carried a torch in New York for really garage band type of music and becoming the curators of the world's greatest 50s to 70s collection of records that ever really existed. She she entered the world of music somewhere in the 70s. She was first the first drummer for the legendary Cramps and about that time she you know she met her partner Billy Miller and together they took their passion for music to something that was close to their heart a fanzine and that fanzine allowed them to write about things that they loved and they ended up writing an article about the world's greatest sinner you know really based on the soundtrack and the and and the movie itself what it meant to rock and roll and if you didn't know it the world's greatest sinner a movie made by timothy carey was the munich film festival martin scorsese was in charge of selecting the greatest rock and roll films ever made and what did he choose? The World's Greatest Sinner. And so it's a meaningful uh, movie when it comes to music. And no wonder somebody like Miriam Lena discovered it and wrote about it. Writing about it led to actually meeting my father and uh, having a conversation over the phone and writing, exchanging letters back and forth and putting him on one of their albums, the A-Bones album. My father's, you know, did a, a spoken word introduction. The kind of connections that one makes out of their passion with people in the real world is what life is all about. And so Miriam also took on, she had a love for literature that led her to forming Kicks Books, a publishing company. She's got a, a, a book out right now called Mind Over Matter, The Myths and Mysteries of Detroit's Fortune Records. It was written by Michael Hurt and her partner, Billy Miller. If you want to look at that, you can find that at online at nortonrecords.com. Miriam did an interview for the documentary on my father. I went to New York and interviewed quite a collection of people, and she was one of them. I think she really lays out at least her interpretation of who my father was and what it meant to, you know, to her life. And again, a really good example of how music and art and life all come together. Without further ado, I bring you Miriam Lena from Norton Records and the A-Bones, speaking about Timothy Carey and the world's greatest sinner. From Crispin Glover. On him, the true bomb. Okay, bones, 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 more bones, the world's greatest sinner. You get all your bones together, the right bone connected with the left bone. And the uh, bone and the and the uh, crepitus ventris, the uh, uh, the gasnacphemia bone, and the latissimus dorsi bones, 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 the world's greatest center. 
I'm nothing but a bones. You know what? Mirror, <laughs> you want it? I don't know a whole lot about movies and stuff, so yeah. maybe you want to have me playing the record here or something. That might be cool. You know? Yeah. Because I can't give you big movie roundups like everybody no. else. Yeah, I've got complete control of everything. Okay. You can kind of just kind of cheat it towards the camera when you're ready. All right. Now, okay. I, I think the best place to start is, when did you first discover Timothy Carey? Timothy Carey's visage, I imagine, came into my being with watching TV as a little kid and having the reruns of the movies coming on and hearing the voice. I think the voice came before the wonderful, wonderful face. But that combination of voice and face and gesture was something that created a personality, something that is hugely missing uh, in actors and actresses uh, from that time and into the future. He's one of those unique people who carried on that Timothy Carey thing throughout everything that he did, and it was his life, I imagine. I, I imagine that being the person, uh, multifaceted, super talent, and um, God, I, I just really, really love him. When The World's Greatest Sinner uh, hit my eyeballs and brain for the first time, uh, it was like a uh, lightning bolt from some other planet. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I was raised with a pretty religious uh, background and a family Bible that was illustrated by Gustave Doré and uh, the images of the dragons and sea serpents and monsters and torture that came out of uh, reading a Bible that was illustrated that way and with the old kind of Germanic uh, text uh, kind of branded my brain and, and then as a teenager you start to get away from that kind of stuff. Seeing that was very much um, a psychological and spiritual shocker back into true reality. Um, I dug out one of these uh, Dore illustrations. I don't have a Bible here, but I've got, I've got Paradise Lost, and it always scares me and kind of sets me on the right path to look at these images. The images of burning fire and smoke and all of this good stuff. Oh, I've got this bookmarked with the Ron Haydock book. I want to sin. I've got sin on my mind. But at any rate, here's another image. These are all like images of sin and what happens when you do sin. And uh, the world's greatest sinner, um, aside from being um, a, a cinema, cinematographic masterwork in my mind, um, has uh, a message that it doesn't come through in any other film. And that's this search for um, answers that I think all of us who are uh, tapped into finding a reason why we're here for this short period of time can actually view that and say, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been through. That's kind of what we all go through in trying to find that answer. When he um, has that experience with piercing the wafer and dismisses it, I think we all can respect that moment of doubt. And the ending where the blood is coming from everywhere is is just so mind-blowing. Uh, I know that when they showed the film at Lincoln Center and it was a room full of people watching, some for the first time and some not for the first time, didn't matter. You saw that and when that came in, it was like the whole room just kind of like stopped breathing. You could hear the heartbeat. It was a, it was an astonishing moment and that's really the impact of the film every time that I see it. And when it gets to that point, it's always a surprise.
surprise to me. It's always a super shocker, chilling kind of a realization that we're here, we're lucky. This film was kind of the only, only film that really explores that before or after. I don't think there's ever been a document like that that takes a, a man on his journey, rock and roll, which is the ultimate key, and puts him into this kind of mental state of like, who controls who? Are we controlled? Are we a puppet on a string? The world's greatest sinner. Yeah. You're awesome. <laughs> You'll have to edit that. <laughs> four, three, two, one. Now, what title did you want? So you remember when I actually edited it for yourself. Um, I think you can maybe um, Miriam Lena Norton Records slash A-Bones. A-Bones. And the spelling on Lena? L-I-N-N-A. And Miriam is M-I-R-I-A-M. Uh, it's biblical. <laughs> yeah. Now, when, when you say A-bones, that's, I'll put that at the end. I'm going to put your credit. And, okay. You know, I'm going to put all that kind of stuff that'll, that'll hang and be part of it. Yeah. But I think for your own sake, what, what I think you are A-bones, obviously, but on a, on a more, uh, what do you consider yourself? You're, you're a music historian? Are you a... Well, we have the label, and we, we try to document the the uh, the music and pop culture stuff that we really super-duper care about. So, uh, I don't know. I guess we're just um, promoters of the d deserving obscurities of so, so the world, trying to make them not so obscure. But what would you call that? That's a historian, though, isn't it? Is I, it a promoter? You I guess. So, historian sounds so, uh, sounds too dry. sounds so important. Oh, oh, I know. How about a... Well, what, did, what was the guy last night? He was great. Your guitar player? Bruce. Um, Bruce. Yeah. Bruce is fantastic. I know. He's, he's got... been waiting for a long time to say something. <gasps> yeah. Oh, oh, he's so, very so astute. Well -spoken. He like, is. Geez, like, he's, he's amazing. Uh, Walsh, did you, why don't you get your friend Quentin to do it? Quentin could talk. He's just rattled. Yeah. What do you get out of Quentin except say it's neat and get yeah, like yeah. a seal of approval? Bruce well, a... Who needs a commercialism? You want someone like Bruce? Yeah, and he is a researcher and a historian and a lover he of was, the film. He's and he's music. Quentin Tarantino to the tenth power. <laughs> give, wow! Give me a, give me a break. Can I tell him that? He yeah, would appreciate that. Give me, give me a break. What yeah. the difference is sheer intelligence and yeah, he's very understanding intelligent. it. Yeah, because he has the right sensibilities. Yes, it's hard for someone who doesn't know what it is to describe it. That's right. Nice to get nice to get his energy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, was, yeah. I, I thought it was really refreshing. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think for myself, it's like think everything is so visceral. You know, it's that's the impact of stuff. I get a little overexcited about stuff, but uh, you know, people say like, calm down all the time, <laughs> and it's like I can't calm down. This is like wigging my mind. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out what we're gonna call you. Okay. okay. But that's that's the least of our worries. Okay. I think what I guess would be interesting is musically, what does that film do for yourself? Maybe how it uh, the pantheon of, yeah. of of music. Where's that? Where does that mark itself? Of uh, what's its what's its legacy or what's its influence? How does it influence you? How does it influence mm -hmm. you, you? Did the music I right. cut to that? Yeah. And what kind of response you get from people today? Yeah. Where do you think it's headed? You know, the fact that it's been sitting for fifty years. Anything like that? Start yeah. With any one of those. Sinner is a revelation with the soundtrack. Uh, the fact that this heavy, psychological, atmospheric, mental kind of a message and exploration of the film is matched up 
with the greatest music ever made on the planet, aka rock and roll, uh, is so important. He was so far ahead of his time in doing this. The the fact that he went into a, um, a West Coast scene that a lot of people worldwide don't even know of this this crazy scenes that was going on at these clubs and uh, at these venues in uh, Los Angeles and the environs with kids going crazy. That this was the that the impact of him going on with the gold jacket and going, please, please, please. That's all that we all ask, you know, and whether it's in music or in life, it's just like, please, listen to me. Understand what I'm saying. Do you get it? And it's when he asks that question, it's like, hallelujah. Yes, we get it. That's what we get. Uh, that's, uh, it, it is such a, a visceral and a physical effect that he was able to translate uh, onto film and into sound, something that you can sit there and watch, and it actually causes your temperature to rise and your blood to start to burble and your body to start to twitch. You know, you want to do that. That's what it's all about. They say, can you bottle that and sell it? He did it. He bottled it and he sold it. The world's greatest center. Yeah, what other like, musicians that you know, the guys that had some success, what, what were their responses to and who they were and what did they think of it? Maybe some people that aren't here anymore that I can't ask, but you know from experience what they thought of it. Someone like Lux Interior from the Cranes. Oh, I don't know uh, his, uh, his personal perspective, but I would imagine that it would, was a great admirer. But uh, anybody, you know, without uh, having to uh, resort to um, uh, qualifying, because I've always been against that thing of like having to qualify someone who is already superior to anything that anybody else could qualify. Anybody who hears and sees Sinner who does not get it is mentally ineffective. Everybody I know who has seen it flips out. They're like, where has this been all of my life? I mean, the music, the fact that it's like this, you know, with the, the, the Zappa experience with going into there and with his interpretation of the music and dance and so on, with somebody who's an outsider coming in to a group of teenagers and just getting it right off the bat, getting it in spades, getting it more than any kid could get it, and translating that into this whole world order is, uh, is really where it's at. Everyone that I know, I mean, even from knowing of people uh, who were film and music uh, fanatics, such as Ron Haydock, who was another one of my idols, uh, interpreted in this, interpreted that conjunction of music and film in the same kind of manner. The great late Ray Dennis Steckler, who also worked with Ron Haydock, that whole um, Arch Hall kind of a thing of of putting it together. Um, and having the comedic effect be there as something really important and, and spiritual. I hate to sound like an egghead about this because I'm, I'm not an egghead myself. I love to just watch it and go like, holy cow. But I'm trying to explain it here. And, uh, and if I come off sounding like I'm a little bit of a word grappler, so be it. The impact is so great. The music is so great. It just erases all of this high-tech studio crapola where people have to rehearse and practice and run scales and do whatever they have to do before they can create something that is mind-boggling and world-altering. This is the music that God made us to be on earth performing doing, experiencing, something that is the musicians and the audience together, everyone exploding with the feeling that is created by the sound.
Now you got you had the opportunity to speak with him yourself, didn't you? Yes. When did you? When what? What, what was the occasion that allowed you to talk to him? When our band, the A-Bones, was contemplating doing the world's greatest center, attempting a reinterpretation of the classic, we did get hold of Timothy Carey and spoke with him and then corresponded with him. I'm a big letter writer, and apparently... He was too. Uh, he he wrote back to us first right away saying, uh, you know, I want to be part of this. You know, uh, can I be on the record? Yes, of course. What are you talking about? We would love that. And he did do an, an amazing uh, introduction to our version of it, which is just like the ultimate the ultimate gift to us, really, was having that, that addition on the record so that, it, that he sets the tone and then we take off with it. So well, we we considered that a great privilege, and it's really one of the the major moments in in our lives, both professionally and uh, individually. The uh, result of the song, what kind of what kind of reception does that song get when you play it live? When we perform uh, the world's greatest center, it's a top fave with the A-Bones fanatics, and uh, they all recognize it as being from center. So it's like uh, the applause is not. It's not just for us, it's for the song, and it's for Timothy Carey. Always. It's like, I cheer. When we say the world's greatest center, I cheer, because I'm about to start pounding on it. But the fact is, is that all I'm seeing in my head the whole time that we're playing is the gold suit rock and roll scene. And it's just like, I'm there. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's a, that's a pretty, you can't do better in keeping someone's spirit alive. No, you can't. You yeah. really can't. That's it. That's the ultimate. Somebody's to say, what's rock and roll? Show them that. Show them that clip, that momentary glimpse visually and sound-wise. It's going to be branded into their brain and will pop into their head whenever they need it. I need it every day. <laughs> I think we're there, Miriam. Okay. Uh, last thing probably would be, what do you think, realizing that this is an undistributed film, mm -hmm. and that you know, you're, you're most likely going to be part of this whole little play out which is happening 50 years later yeah what do you think of art and its potential to actually explode like this thing has it's always been simmering but yeah. actually this is the pinnacle of its success happening 50 years later sure that what do you what do you say about the things in art that in this film in particular that it sat and maybe part of its mystique was sitting yeah life expectancy is filled its its birth is just mm -hmm. happening and mm -hmm. you know the popularity of my dad is is bigger than ever yeah could you put that in some kind of sure. perspective where you think it might go and how it how it happened that way yeah i think the the difference between art which is a word i rarely use because it really signifies something from god uh the difference between art and commercialism is so vast that it it's obvious to me that when he made this film it was going to be underappreciated at that time as are all great things all true artistic forms really don't get the accolades when they're released it does take time because People are so used to just having stuff thrown at them. Perhaps in Hollywood and in the film world, I mean, when stuff comes out, there's so many movies coming out and so much um, commercial distribution, brouhaha, about other things that were coming out at that same time, that someone putting out a noble effort that bled them dry financially, psychologically, mentally, did not have those avenues to 
pay off somebody who was going to just say, whoa, this is the greatest thing ever. It took people who believed in that it be and really were, were related to him on a mental kind of a level to be able to continually kind of like be the the disciples of the film, you know, not to keep on bringing in these God perspective kind of things, but really the followers, the, uh, the armband wearers, you know, the goatee people, you know, yes, you know, it's like, that's, that's it. They're the ones who kept this thing going in small circles, always saying, sinner, have you seen it? No, how do I get to see it? When Lincoln Center happened here in New York, again, a room full of people. These are now uh, people who wrote about film. What people is, what who. Is, what is Lincoln Center? Just okay. in Bavaria or in, in Vienna, they don't okay. have a clue what Lincoln Center is. Just might might want to just we'll give okay. it like a little. Uh, what is you know, yeah? What the... Timothy Carey. He wasn't ahead of his time. He was the time, and he captured it. That's what the World's Greatest Center is all about. It's 82 minutes of Tim Carey performing in front of the camera. Everybody, come out of your houses. Clarence Hillian is going to make you a super human being. He's not going to give you a chance to escape, and he's not going to let you down in terms of the time you've invested in him. He's going to use the whole cow. Back you read my sacred, you'll see. If you're a real creative, you want to be the master of your own destiny. No one else is giving him a starring role, he's doing all these little bit parts. So that's where he came up with the idea that he's going to make his own movie. He didn't have a wardrobe guy, he didn't have a makeup guy, he didn't have a location guy, he didn't have anything. But he had the vision and he had the intestinal fortitude to make it all come together. You're going to stir the people's emotions with politics, something this country has never seen before. When asked in an interview, they asked him, why did you do The World's Greatest Sinner? And he said, because I was sick and tired of what the studios called controversial. I was sick and tired of them saying that this is going to be the most controversial film you've ever seen. And then he'd see it, and it was just the same crap. So he wanted to do something that was really controversial. God Almighty, I defy you. I defy you to show me if you're God. If you're better than I am, if you're more than I am, show me. The world's greatest sinner is revered. My father was celebrated when he was alive because all his peers, his family members, guys that he put in it, other directors, everybody he ever showed it to in a personal screening, they just fall at his feet. Is there anything we can do, God? No, my faithful followers. Just being there is so much comfort to me. I'll go. I'm talking Kubrick, you know, Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, I can go on a laundry list of all the A-list directors and everybody who are the, the saints of cinema today. Scorsese gets called a lot to do film festivals. And at the film festivals, the programmers ask for, you know, dignitaries to become the arbitrators of what gets selected. And his task was to choose the three greatest rock and roll films. And he chose The World's Greatest Sinner. And nobody knew what it was. 
It's the greatest middle finger flip of the birdie that I've ever experienced. My dad was a huge success because he knew what success was. And success was completion. I finished it and it exists. Success is measured in the things one completes. And from an artist's perspective, it doesn't get better than that. TCM Underground, late night Fridays, starting at 2 a.m. Next on TCM Underground, tune in for the world premiere, the world's greatest center, only on Turner Classic Movies. Center of okay. the mecca of, yeah. of... For a film to show in New York City at Lincoln Center is the epitome of being recognized. Uh, by the world at large. For this to have happened with Sinner in New York City at Lincoln Center was such a proudful moment for the fans, the followers, for the people involved with making it, for perpetrating it, uh, for for having it be made available on the big screen in a hallowed hall. This was incredible. It was a sold-out event. Two-thirds of a page of the New York Times, when the New York Times was a big newspaper. It's shrunk since then with, with all of the economy and so on. But it was a massive page. And to, oh, my God. Now, it played with, he did one of his songs last night. He had a movie come out. Oh, Neil Young. Neil Young's movie yeah, came out. Yeah, Green Day. And they Greendale. Like, yeah, he had a small little article and Sinner was like, yes. It was, it got more, a 50-year-old movie got more attention yes. than... Do you want me to mention that? That's a, I think it kind of puts it in perspective. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't want to put Neil down, though, because I, I respect him as That's well. Um, <clears throat> Sinner played right around the same time that Neil Young's uh, Greendale film came out, and uh, that showed there as well, with, with great ballyhoo from uh, the promoters at that time. But the papers, like the Times, gave this massive uh, coverage to Sinner, which for a film that was 50 years old, versus a, an experimental film that, uh, that Neil Young did with a wonderful soundtrack as well. For a 50-year-old film that was relatively unknown and was really like on the coattails of like the fans. And when I say fans, I mean fanatics. I don't mean like goofy people who just say, hey, I'm talking about fanatics, disciples, people who understand, believe, and are serious about what they say regarding Sinner. For them to see that the press, that the film meisters were saying, this is it, to dedicate this much space, time, and effort to starting the re-explosion of this film was really amazing. When that film showed and everybody was in the audience, it was, it was such a celebration. You could feel the, you could feel the heat of all the people in front of you and behind you. And you could feel the, the hackles rising when certain portions of the, uh, the film showed on, on screen. When the color came up, when the names came up, you know, when it was the names coming up, the music starting up. Every one of those elements, people were physically just like moved by the whole experience. It was one of the most joyful moments in my life. Long live the true bomb. Okay, bones, 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 more bones. The world's greatest center. You get all your bones together. The right bone connected with the left bone, and the uh, bone and the and the uh, crepitus ventris of the. Uh, uh, the gastrocnemia bone and the latissimus dorsi bones, 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 the world's greatest center are nothing but a bones.